Every great love story begins with a Harry Winston diamond. For nearly a century, Harry Winston has been the name behind some of the world's most exceptional diamonds. That's because every Harry Winston diamond ring is as one of a kind as the love story it represents, the ultimate symbol of romance, devotion, and elegance. From emerald cut and cushion cut to oval and pear-shaped, every diamond is hand-selected for maximum beauty and brilliance and placed in a timeless platinum setting. Say I do to a Harry Winston engagement ring and you're happily ever after at harrywinston.com. Love now and Did you fall in love last time? I love love was stronger than anything. For the love, love. And I love you more than anything. Love, love. From the New York Times, I'm Anna Martin. This is Modern Love. And this week's essay is about a relationship between two people who aren't technically related, but still, they're family. And just like with family, they've got issues. It's called Our Bond Was Thicker Than Blood, read by the author Brandon Kyle Goodman. I was trying to think about the first time I met my godfather. But that would be like asking me to remember the first time I met my mother. From the time my brain was able to hold memories, my Uncle Ronnie was there. He had been my mother's best friend since she was in college. As a child, I didn't understand the depths of what I was witnessing between him and my mother. But now, at 35... I have a deep appreciation for how special their bond was, how healing it was. They weren't just besties, they were siblings. My mom asking Ronnie to accept the title of Godfather was truly just a formality. I belonged to him before we ever met. In second grade, I had to do a family tree project. My classmates and I were each handed an illustration of a big tree that had labels for us to fill in. At the bottom of the tree was a space for me to write my name, and above it were two spaces, one for my mother and one for my father. My seven-year-old brain stared at the paper with confusion. I didn't know my father's name. I'd never really thought much about having a dad. When I got home, all four feet of me cornered my statuesque Caribbean mother in the kitchen of our queen's home and asked, Do I have a father? She looked at me a bit stunned. Of course you do. I shot back. Then where is he? Your father lives with his family. It was a concept too big for me to fully understand. Aren't we his family? I asked. Before my mother could respond, I asked the question that I think every single parent dreads. Does he not love me? My mother crouched in front of me. Your father is a good man, she said. I loved him because he was such a good man. Everybody loved him. And you, you remind me of him. Somehow, hearing I was like him was enough. For the moment, 
but periodically his absence would feel unbearable. Father's Day, parent-teacher conferences, and school sporting events were always the hardest. As a child of the 90s, I clung to Carl Winslow from Family Matters, fantasizing about having a man in my house who would impart words of wisdom, dish out compassionate discipline, and look at me with pride. My yearning had an energy that was very blood is thicker than water, a notion that my biological father and I would have an inexplicable bond He would be a compass that would point my life in the right direction and guide me effortlessly into black manhood. But no matter how hard I prayed to God or how many letters I wrote to Santa at Christmas, my father never appeared. Uncle Ronnie always did. He had golden brown skin, He was innately kind, but could read you for filth with just a look. And like me, he loved to laugh. He showed up at school plays, piano recitals, basketball games, track meets, even church once or twice. And he was also the one who would drive me to and from those events. He would scoop me up and take me to museums or the playground or the flea market teaching me how to pick out quality art and furniture pieces. He would take me to bougie restaurants in Manhattan so that I'd be exposed to different cuisines and fine dining. He'd take me to McDonald's because he knew, ultimately, that it was my favorite. And if those things didn't have me beaming, he resorted to my most hated tactic, becoming an insatiable tickle monster, stopping only when there were tears of laughter streaming down my face. He was also the only person who never questioned my effeminate nature. Others would demand that I man up and not be so girly in my demeanor or interests. But Uncle Ronnie owned a hair salon and was the only man I knew who used words like fabulous and honey. He never tried to stomp out my innate softness. Instead, he quietly nurtured it. He encouraged it by laughing at my impressions of Cher. He protected it by giving me my first summer job as a receptionist at the salon. He honored it by having my signed Destiny's Child poster framed, saying that they were to me what the Supremes had been to him. Shortly after I graduated from college at 21, my mother and Uncle Ronnie had a big falling out. I won't share the private details of their discord, but I can tell you my mother came to me and plainly told me what happened. Uncle Ronnie did the same, and my Uncle Ronnie in particular expressed being hurt. I had never known them to disagree on anything, let alone have a fight, so I wasn't used to being in the middle. But based on my understanding of parental fights from those 90s TV shows, the child always picks a side. My choice was clear. Blood is thicker than water. I chose my mother and stopped reaching out to my godfather. 
A few years later, I was working for a fitness company called Flywheel Sports. I would often teach 7 a.m., 8 a.m., and 9 a.m. classes, which meant I would have what we instructors referred to as second breakfast, too early for lunch, but still a full meal. As I was walking to the Starbucks around the corner, I switched my phone off airplane mode. The first notification to pop up was a voicemail message from Uncle Ronnie. I hadn't spoken to him in four years. Brandon, it's your godfather. This is getting ridiculous. Now cut the shit and call me. As I pulled the phone from my ear, I could feel my hand shaking. He was angry, and rightfully so. His falling out was with my mother, not me. I'll call him back, I thought. I have to call him back. I will call him back. I walked into Starbucks and continued my day. I didn't call him back. A few months later, on November 1st, 2013, to be exact, I got a voicemail from my mother. Hey, Bran, I'm calling because Uncle Ronnie died today. I don't remember the rest of it because an enormous wave of shock ran through my veins. Then, deep guilt. To this day, I don't know if he knew that he was on his final trip around the sun, but of course I wonder if that's why he called. If he was trying to tell me. I didn't attend his funeral, which took place in Delaware, where he had grown up. I felt too much shame. As a second grader, I had been embarrassed by not having a father. Now, I was faced with the devastating reality that I did, in fact, have one and didn't treasure him. And now, he was gone. A little over eight years later, which also happens to be the length of time I've been in therapy, I can see the undeniable imprint his life made on mine. I may not have resembled Uncle Ronnie physically, my skin darker, my face rounder, my frame bigger, but there are few words I love more than fabulous and honey. Few things I love more than art and furniture. Few sensations I miss more than his insatiable tickle monster. We may not have been blood, but I belonged to him before we ever met. And though I may not deserve it, he still manages to be my life's compass. He still manages to be my father. I may have lost him, but I'll always be his son. After the break, a deep bond that began with a mini bottle of vodka at the corner store. That's next.
Every great love story begins with a Harry Winston diamond. For nearly a century, Harry Winston has been the name behind some of the world's most exceptional diamonds. That's because every Harry Winston diamond ring is as one of a kind as the love story it represents, the ultimate symbol of romance, devotion, and elegance. From emerald cut and cushion cut to oval and pear-shaped, every diamond is hand-selected for maximum beauty and brilliance and placed in a timeless platinum setting. Say I do to a Harry Winston engagement ring and you're happily ever after at harrywinston.com. I use the New York Times Games app every single day. I love playing Connections. With Connections, I need to twist my brain to see the different categories. I think I know this connection. Look, Bath is a city in England, Sandwich is a city in England, Reading is a city in England, and I'm going to guess Derby is a city in England. I started Wordle 194 days ago, and I haven't missed a day. The New York Times Games app has all the games right there. I absolutely love Spelling Bee. I always have to get genius. I've seen you yell at it and say, that (laughs) should be a word. Totally should be a word. Sudoku is kind of my version of lifting heavy weights at the gym. At this point, I'm probably more consistent with doing the crossword than brushing my teeth. When I can finish a hard puzzle without pins, I feel like the smartest person in the world. When I have to look up a clue to help me, I'm learning something new. It gives me joy every single day. Start playing in the New York Times Games app. You can download it at nytimes.com slash games app. I'm Frankie Kidd, and this is my tiny love story. I met him in Queens outside a bodega. I had a plane to catch and was looking for someone to bless with my subway pass. Chris thanked me with a 99-cent bottle of vodka. Recently 50, I felt like a rebel standing outside drinking with an 80-something-year-old man. We laughed about random stuff, then exchanged numbers. He asked to marry me, and I said, yes. I went home to Ohio, and I haven't seen him since. But we keep in touch. Chris still says he loves me, and I say it back. I mean it. His wise spirit inspires mine. Frankie, I I love this story. Thank you. Tell me about the day that you met Chris and you gave him your subway pass. You were in Queens in New York. So I started walking around Queens neighborhood and um, I walked to a store, a bodega. Mm. And then there was like Chris at in front of the store. So he had on this hat. And it's like a a hat that you wear outdoors, like in nature. And I love nature. So it's kind of like the hat looks very interesting. So I just uh, went up to him and said, hey, you want this pass? Mm -hmm. And he was like, yes, what's your name? Hi. Like when he saw me, he just like lit up like a Christmas tree. Mm. And he went in the store and he comes out, back out. Well, like, you know, those little airplane bottles of vodka. Oh, like the tiny ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those tiny bottles. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, cheers. (laughs) Okay. We should be drinking. I twisted the cap. It was like, you ready? And he's just like, we just drank it. 
Did you cheers to anything? I did cheers. We started talking and like what I noticed about him, he asked me where I was from. Hmm. I told him Ohio and he said, Ohio, you from Ohio? And he started talking about some of the things that only people from Ohio would know. He's like, like what? I've been to Ohio. So like he talked about the Underground Railroad. He talked about some of the rivers. And so he just kind of wowed me with his knowledge of, first of all, Ohio and just history. And talking to me like like a younger person, but, a, you know, just appreciating me. He made me feel like, wow, she's so young. Like he told me I had really pretty skin. Mm-hmm. I just thought that he saw me and um, the way I felt inside. Mm. And it made my heart like, wow, he sees me. I, I like love the that. compliments he's giving me. Thank you. Thank you. And Frankie, at what point did Chris ask you to marry him? Just right, like as I was leaving, I was like, I'm going back to Ohio. And he was like, I love mm. you. And I was like, I love you back. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like, I love you back. And he's like, Will you marry me? And I'm like, Yeah, yes. He's <laughs> like, Yeah. Frank, yes. you, when you said yes, what did you feel like you were saying yes to? I, I, I really felt like I would do it. I just felt like because at 50 <laughs> years old, I did. I felt like, you know what? You go through that stage when you're in twenties and like you're open to everything, at least I was. And then at thirty and four in my forties, I was like, Oh my God, I'm closing off. I say no mm-hmm. to everything. Mm-hmm. I'm becoming this boring person that I just remember my grandparents, like I thought of them as like they're they're nice and sweet and safe. And I was like, I'm becoming that. I'm becoming ma'am. Mm-hmm. And in a way that's 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 a good thing. But in a way, when you still know that you have a lot of life to live mm. and it's feel like you just you be you're not taking as many chances. And Chris to me represented everything that I dreamed about, just like a different person. He was different from mm. me. He was 30 years older than me, 30 something. And as you were walking away. What were you thinking about? What were you feeling? As I was walking away, I thought, would I do it? I was asking myself, like, would you really, would you really? And I was like, yes, I would. I would really mm. do it. I didn't know what it would mean. I didn't know if he was even, I felt like he was serious. But even if he wasn't, just to say, I said yes. I said yes mm. to something. And I felt like if I could say yes to that, <laughs> this, there's no stopping me. How often do you talk to Chris on the phone these days? I talk to Chris a couple of times a week. Mm. And he's always like, you're beautiful. Mm. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. And how often do you hear that? Mm. I believe in my heart I am, but nobody else sees it. Nobody else sees. They see, oh, the worry. Oh, you got a couple of gray hairs peeking out. Mm. They see all this other stuff. And Chris sees none of that. He sees, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Frankie, thank you so much for spending time with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Coming up on Modern Love, we asked you the most unusual place you've ever been on a date. And this one call took me for a ride. Dead bodies on a first date. I don't care what anybody else sends in. No one can top that. She's not wrong. More of your stories next week. Modern Love is produced by Elissa Dudley, Hans Buto, Julia Botero, and Christina Josa. It's edited by Sarah Saracen. This episode was mixed by Dan Powell, who also created the Modern Love theme music. 
Original music in this episode by Marion Lozano. Digital production by Mahima Chablani and Nell Galopli. And a special thanks to Anna Diamond at Autumn. The Modern Love column is edited by Daniel Jones. Mia Lee is the editor of Modern Love Projects. I'm Anna Martin. Thank you very much for listening. Every great love story begins with a Harry Winston diamond. For nearly a century, Harry Winston has been the name behind some of the world's most exceptional diamonds. That's because every Harry Winston diamond ring is as one-of-a-kind as the love story it represents, the ultimate symbol of romance, devotion, and elegance. From emerald cut and cushion cut to oval and pear-shaped, every diamond is hand-selected for maximum beauty and brilliance and placed in a timeless platinum setting. Say I do to a Harry Winston engagement ring and you're happily ever after at harrywinston.com.